Hey there, everybody. Welcome to The League Life, the first episode with Brooksy and Schnaz. My name is Schnaz, also known as Sam Schnazzy. My friend over here is Nathan Brooks, also known as Brooksy. Hey, Nathan, how you doing? Hey, Schnaz. Very well, thanks. Great to be here. It's like the league season hasn't finished. It just glides over the summertime. We're going to get into all that a bit later. A little bit of background information. Nathan and I work together at Fox Sports. We work in the stats department. We have a great time doing it. A lot of fun. A lot of hard work as well. Uh, I've been here since 2007, which was the start of when the stats department began at Fox Sports in Sydney. Nathan, when did you come along? Around 2010. What a great year that was. And yeah, been there full time for the last five years. Living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Living the dream. That's correct. I first remember a rugby league, the days of the early 80s and Manly and Parramatta dominating. I became a Cronulla Sutherland Sharks fan around 1985 from memory. So it's been 30 long, glorious, painful years. My love for the team and club gets stronger each year, much to my frustration. Brooksy, who do you support? I support the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so this is the first ever podcast in the world, I'm going to suggest, that is hosted by a Dragons fan and a Sharks fan. If we can get together, why can't people around the world have peace and love? I'm guessing you haven't always been a St. George Illawarra fan. No, I haven't been. So my first memory would of rugby league would probably be around 1987. I remember getting David Middleton's first annual book from my grandma and remember sifting through the pages looking at the pictures, looking at the numbers, the scores, the stats. Mind you, the stats back then, Schnaz, were scrums, penalties, tries, goals and field goals. They had it real tough, the statisticians back then. Yes, very tough. Um, I remember like, you know, you'd be circling that big league when you heard a penalty or a scrum packed down. Thank goodness that the age of a rugby league fan is quite long because we still see people at the games, circling their big league. If you're circling your big league at penalties and that's lopsided, you are going to blow up and potentially throw that big league at the end of the game. (laughs) Yeah, possibly do a shoulder or, you know, try and hit one of the opposition team as they're walking around celebrating the, the game or even a fan of the other team. And we've had moments with players, fans in the past. I know, see, I obviously am an Illawarra fan and... I remember 1992 at Brookvale Oval. And this is a story my friends have heard numerous times. Why do you hate Manly? Ah, yes. I think I'm one of those friends. Why do you hate the Seagulls? Simple answer. Illawarra never used to do too well against Manly. I used to respect Manly. They're a good team. But 1992, Illawarra down 8-4. This this game was pivotal for them to make the finals for the first time. And Rod Wishart, the great Rod Wishart, gets an intercept try and scores. And I'm 10 years old and I'm celebrating on the hill at Brookie. And this drunk Manly fan comes up to me and goes, are you an Illawarra fan? Let me guess, the jersey didn't give it away? I had a jersey on, I had a big bed sheet as a flag with a pole in it. That's, that's another story that's for later in the podcast. And I said, no. But he had a feeling that I was an Illawarra fan by all this red and white, para- oh, sorry, scarlet and white paraphernalia. So he threw his pie at me. Really? He threw a pie at a 10-year-old kid, hit me on the front. I wasn't too happy. And from that day forth, Schnaz, Manly have been one of my most hated teams. 
Who were some of your childhood heroes? Michael Bolt was the person that really gave me an insight to rugby league. He was my uncle's high school friend and he was unbelievable. He Every time I went to a game, after living in Wollongong, I moved up to the Gold Coast. Back in 1990, I remember a game played at Seagull Stadium where Michael Bolt actually introduced me to the players and let me get into the sheds after the game. And that's life-changing stuff in all seriousness. Being able to meet the players as an eight-year-old was something that I'll never forget. And that's, and that's the stuff that keeps this game going, like those little moments. And I, I actually bumped into Michael Bolt a couple of years ago when I did a skydive down in Wollongong. And I'm going to plug his, plug his uh, bar here. Please do. The Red Square down in Wollongong. He, a vodka bar. And everyone was telling me how friendly he is. I actually popped my head in to the to the um, kitchen and he was cooking away cooking some tapas and yeah I had a chat with him he came out afterwards and had a beer and it was funnily enough Brett Rodwell turned up I was like oh my god here's my past just turning up before my eyes now there's no wrong answer here but did Michael Bolt remember you yes he did I introduced myself as Nathan Brooks I, I'm Steve Brooks's nephew who you went to school with and he remembered me straight away like he it, it, he is an amazing man and a lot of the a lot of those initial i guess moments for me stemmed from him and meeting players through him and getting uh, a view of the game that not many people got to see and a view of the team as well obviously now with the way social media and whatnot works and websites and tv coverage that was the way that i i got to see my team and not many people can say they did that We'll get into expansion another time because that would have been heartbreaking uh, slash challenging. Uh, my favourite player from my childhood would definitely be Gavin Miller. He was at the club twice, had a stint at the Roosters, was overseas as well. His last stint at Cronulla is legendary, won multiple awards, steered them to the finals. One of the toughest men to ever play, but also just really skilled for a forward. Haven't met him, had the opportunity too loosely and sort of chose not to in that moment which you know you kind of regret but i'm sure the time will come when i will meet him i've heard he's a legendary fella also owns a pub down the coast so uh, there must be something about our childhood heroes and opening drinking establishments nathan one of my favorite memories as a sharks fan and there's you know all jokes aside been quite a few obviously because i've been going for for so long was it the 24-8 semi-final against the dragons in 99 this podcast is over (laughs) <laughs> Funnily enough, it wasn't that. It was 1989, a playoff for the fifth spot, which our younger audience would not not even know what that means. Uh, Parramatta Stadium on a Tuesday night, I want to say, uh, against Brisbane, the all-star Brisbane team. They've been in the comp for two years. They pretty much had the Queensland team slash most of the Australian team, captain by Wally Lewis in his prime, against My Little Sharkies and uh, massive underdogs. And somehow they got the job done and a convincing win... And Miller just shone like a champion. He was he was like a quarterback, just guiding them around. It was it was actually so beautiful. And at the time, it was really special. And now it's really special. And a lot of Sharks fans feel that way. Uh, that's one of my favorite games. Obviously, we both have hundreds of favorite games and moments. Nine eighty nine was a was a big year for Illawarra for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Eighty nine, Illawarra got five competition points, two wins and one draw. And it was the worst season of, I think, of my following of the team. That year, the Panasonic Cup was played mid-season. It was a mid-season tournament, as, as most of our fans would know. And 
they they went through to the final. They got three wins. They beat your boys, possibly on a penalty count back. What a rule and what a way to get into a final. Um, and we beat Norse. I remember beating Norse at some stage. So Some real solid teams that you've beaten. <laughs> well, and they were all solid because we were the ones holding up the, the ladder. So they were all big wins for us. But it, it was the start of what was going to happen in a couple of seasons when we did eventually make the finals for the first time in 92. And we had this team full of young guys. Ron Hilditch was the coach at the time, and I'm not too sure how we got these players, but he brought in the likes of Brett Rodwell and Rod Wishart, and Dean Schifolitti and Neil Pincinelli, who were pivotal players in this tournament. But I guess in the season, they were very new to the league, and, and over week to week, they sort of obviously couldn't match it with most of the league. And the final, funnily enough, Brisbane at Parramatta Stadium... They were down 18-2, I think it was. And Illawarra came back and were up by two in the final 10 minutes. And a Gene Miles forward pass. Gene, it was forward. You know it was forward. Set up the winning try. And it was the first time, and I don't think it was the last time I cried over rugby league, but it was a, it was so heartbreaking. I was seven. I remember crying. That's up there. That's that's bad. Looking back on an amazing moment, and as the team no longer exists in the NRL, you look back at those moments. You're not gonna, you're not going to win them all, but that is a moment where you knew this team. There was something special about this team, and it wasn't necessarily necessarily going to happen at '89. It and it did happen in '92, but they were going to get up to some good things. That's what amazes me about the. Uh the short-sightedness of some people, sports fans, particularly younger people. My nephew is just turned nine years old and he's a Sharks fan. And he's, you know, he's a young fella. He hasn't seen the whole world. And he's a bit like how we were back then. Your team loses, it's the end of the world. And what you're saying in hindsight now, and possibly you knew it back then, is, okay, you lost the game, but... No, I was crying, Schnaz. You were crying. <laughs> it was okay. the end of the world. Okay. It, and it was. It was the end of the world. I'm not suggesting it wasn't. But... There's no shame in losing, you know, like there's two teams out there. Are you going to win this week, Shanaz? Well, two teams, we might win, we might lose. Hopefully we get close. Let's win, of course, but what I'm getting at is it's just if your team loses by, what, four to six points in the last 10 minutes for a forward pass, did your team really underachieve or it's just circumstantial? You know what I mean? And I think in this crazy world where we're all relying on betting and 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 fantasy and and our jobs and coaching jobs. It's just like, ah, the other team won, though. They got the rub of the green. It's over. I think this is a thing like your nephew will go through and obviously we've gone through as uh, fans and all you guys have gone through as fans. It sort of builds you as a person in terms of being a sports fan. You know, sometimes you might be lucky and you go for all the good teams, probably because you're picking the ones that are winning the year before or have a really good team that have the best player in the league or whatnot. I think there's something romantic about the whole going for one team, thick and thin, having those moments. You know this as a Cronulla fan too. Those wins, some of those wins that are just two points, you know, you really look back on them and go, wow. That, that was a moment that I'll never forget. Well, a perfect example, I don't mean to talk about my nephew on this podcast so much, but you know he started getting serious about the Sharks maybe three or four years ago and he saw some pretty lean years. Let's, let's not muck around here. Like 2009, 2011, horrendous on the field. 
started seeing success in 12 and 13, went through the Asada thing and the horrendous year that was 2014. And I sort of pulled him aside at one stage and said, hey, I know your mates at school are razzing you and it's hard, but, you know, you're a, you're a one-club man now. This is your club. You know Jonathan Thurston. Get him out of your mind if he gives you headgear. I know your mates live in Campsie and in Cogra. Don't go, you're not going down that path. You're Aren't sh- they little grenades? Sorry, I'm just going to segue here to Jonathan Thurston. Like, him giving out headgear. He's just planting Lollies. little Cowboys fans everywhere. It's a great... Look, don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing what he does. But, yeah. Imagine, like, your, your nephew gets a headgear from Jonathan Thurston one day. And he's like, Cowboys fan. You'd be like, what? It's probably all it would take. As I pointed out to him this year, I was like, look at us. We're, you know, two or three games to the grand final. This, this is what it's all about, the, the highs and lows. So I was glad he stuck around. I'm glad I stuck around. So we've been meaning to do a podcast for a while, Brooksy. What kind of things can our listeners look forward to? I think this will be a podcast for rugby league fans that we can discuss matters that are happening on and off the field. I think it'll be a good outlet for us to be able to get out some of those stats that we do hear about and we find. We break down the articles and and shows that are about rugby league. We want to get you, the listeners, to be involved in it as well. And, And this is something that you see out there a lot. There is not much, I guess fan participation um in some podcasts and this is what we want to try and get topics that are they're important to what's happening in the world of rugby league and i think this is just going to be a good opportunity for us to have a laugh about some of those things as well and laugh at our teams and other teams in the league you know big people up that are doing great things in the competition whether it be administration players coaches you know and this is this is what we're trying to do we we aren't going to be reporting everything that all the other places will be reporting. We might find other things, turn over all those stones and find some, some good facts out there that we can talk about. And that would be something different in the world of rugby league media. We'll probably discuss the rugby league media in depth as well because we're both passionate about that. All right, so obviously working at Fox Sports, we've been you know, inundated with information regarding the new TV deal. Every corner I turn, there are whispers... There are people in my ear saying, Shanaz, what's going on with the TV deal? This is what's going on with the TV deal. But did you notice, Brooksy, that it kept changing day to day, week to week? Even though it, ca- it came across as a quite an easy deal, I don't think it was in the back end. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of people working hard to get, to get it to happen. I was really, really annoyed with the fact that they leaked a few of the rounds. So you're opening two rounds and your key Sunday matchups. It just kind of annoyed me. I was like, just give me the whole draw. Stop mucking around. Just wait. Why can't we wait a week until the whole thing's ready? Give it to me right now. Here it is. Bang. I don't know other organizations that do that around the world, like the Premier League. Well, the first week you've got Liverpool v Everton, but we're not telling you anything else. And speaking of Liverpool Everton, like this, I think that was an important moment in the deal for the NRL. That the fact that we did lose the EPL rights, a lot of money freed up for the NRL and other sports. Yes, and you know it was sort of good timing. We, I think, the company did cop a bit from fans of the EPL that we did lose the football. We were football. I think it was a very important situation for the NRL to then. 
go forth and finalise a deal with Fox Sports and Channel And you got the feeling that uh, Fox Sports were not going to take no for an answer. They had the, the money in the kitty, they needed the content, and they got it. And it was a pretty smart deal for both Channel 9 and Fox Sports. I think Fox Sports comes out the winner. But let's not forget that Channel 9 are making a lot of money off Fox Sports. I think all three, or let's say Telstra as well, four parties, it's a win situation for all four. Fox Sports get all eight games. Channel 9 gets the ability to show games later in the season. Telstra obviously going to have a lot of online rights. It's going to be good for them. Obviously, the NRL getting in the money, getting this exposure now, a la the AFL, where all their games are on, or all their games are on pay TV, and they've got a good selection on free to air, and that's just what's going to promote the game. Yeah, the NRL is the winner, that's for sure. It's very good for Fox Sports because they've now got up to 17 live games of AFL and NRL combined each week. So if you're trying to hold and get subscriptions throughout this country, you've got the two main football codes right there. EPL fans can cry as much as they want. We're both EPL fans. They, they don't have privileged information as to how many viewers watch, and they don't know how much each game costs for Fox to show and what we get in return. I think what we get in return is the fact that we show EPL. Does that make sense? Yes. What I was saying before is that the times the times in which we the games are on aren't very good for sponsors. They aren't very good for fans to watch at home. You, yes, it's it's basically something that people will be recording and watching later. And that's where I think Fox Sports have seen that this is an important deal the NRL because it's on prime time and it's it's going to be marketable a lot more marketable than what the EPL and is. we're not telling you how to watch your TV that might come later in the year but you know viewers now have the choice between two networks they can uh, go with one that has no ads they can go with one that has ads but probably more what high profile uh, commentary team it's it's all up to the fan the fan has the choice so rugby league fan rugby league fans are also big winners in this I know not everyone can afford pay TV and, and families and that kind of thing sometimes struggle to, maybe that's an extra burden for them. But gee, you, you know, in 2017, so a year and a bit from now, again on Fox Sports, you're going to have an exclusive channel of Rugby League, which is what we've been crying for. I remember since I had pay TV way back when, it was all I wanted, you know. And then AFL got one, I was like, well, NRL needs one. Yeah, the, the AFL one... As you've heard here at work and as I've heard at work, you get so much good feedback from how it rates and how fans love the content. There's all the old games like we've got NBL on at the moment and I see on our social media platforms, everyone's like, oh, give us that Kings game from 07. And this is going to enable... We already do that but with the NRL, but it's going to enable a lot more content to be out there and, you know, people will be able to watch more magazine shows, more ga- more games from yesteryear. It's just going to open up a lot more for NRL fans. And like we touched on when we were talking about our own experiences, this is a great time to be a young fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've come so far, you know, and, and it's a general statement and the world's come so far. But from you and I sitting around our transistor radios to now, you know, probably almost getting it before we see it on social media... It's it's crazy and it's crazy good and I just think the game's going to grow even. Str- I mean the gr- the game is huge. People don't realize. People sort of say, "Oh, the NRLs, you know, not what it was, or it, it should be bigger." But we know through our work how many nutbags are out there. Hello to all of you on fantasy rugby league, and they take it so seriously. 
and that's cool. I'm not saying you shouldn't. The old man buying the newspaper, wanting the latest information on, you know, on the Parramatta reels, and it's the game that won't die. You can't kill the game, and they've tried so many times, and we're not even suggesting it's being run to its, you know, peak capacity right now, but it's just, you can't kill it. So with all this extra content that you think that we'll get with having a channel in 2017, what would be some of the things that you would want to see as a rugby league fan on that's provided by Channel 9, Telstra and Fox Sport? The first thing I need to see on the Fox Rugby League channel, and I'm going to go talk to uh, Burnsy and whoever else is in charge at that time, I want to see some ESPN-inspired uh, documentaries, which Fox does a little bit at the end of each year. I want to see more insight into the actual game. Uh, I want more access to players and coaches, and, and in a way that ESPN do it, where it's kind of intelligent. It's not something that's hurried. It's not. It's it's thought out. It's it's uh, expressive. I think that Fox has a real chance to um, do something special. And I don't watch the AFL channel, so I can't speak for it. Maybe they're already doing it a little bit. That's what I want to see from the Fox side of things. I also hope that you know the podcast industry keeps taking off, which isn't necessarily to do with the TV deal, but there's enough people out there with opinions and access to equip- equipment, much like ourselves, that that have the capabilities to do good podcasts. There's so many bad ones out there. Let's hear some some good ones as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see shows that would be able to follow players and players of all different exactly. levels. You know, you, you'd want to see day in the life of a Holden Cup exactly. player. Maybe a retiring veteran, a couple of episodes on him, how he goes through his day-to-day, week-to-week rituals. Obviously, most of those players will be older with young families and whatnot, like how they're juggling their last season in the NRL. A lot more of what... Sterlow's show has provided could be expanded I think the one-on-one interviews are amazing and to the team that produced that show it's just something that I really look forward to yeah, and even little things that they do um, miking up the players like that that should have been done 15 years ago to be honest you know we watch it you and I watch it on ESPN and, and other American channels you see that in the NFL quite a bit there's a lot of moments on the sideline where players are obviously you know, talking about the game and, and, you know, celebrating moments in the game. And this is something that I think would show us a lot more about who these who the players are in the league. Imagine picking the brain of, like, Cooper Cronk and being able to, if, to watch him analyse analyze a team that he's playing this next week or someone's on a really big hot streak and then, like, what Jonathan Thurston was going through last year. Imagine having his peers look at his games and look at these plays and have some sort of like show where you could see the mind of the halves. Again, the NFL does that. I'm sure the other American sports do it as well. It's not that hard to do. And I think we're sort of slowly getting away from that idea that the camera at the ground is there to capture the game. Well, the game is much more than what's going on in the field. It's the fans in the stand. It's the player's family. It's the coach. It's the guy working at the ground who has worked there for 25 years and he the ball boys the kit guys like that's that's what I want to see to be honest it is a big you when you think about it you think about the game there's 26 guys on the field but there is so many more people that are outside that boundary that can tell a story and have a story to tell and that's what we've we've sort of gone away from that and I think we need and this is a great opportunity to to see a bit more of that yeah I think you and I will uh Go see Burnsy nine o'clock on Monday and talk about a few things. Well, this is this is going to be the last play, really, hasn't it? Shot clock says five seconds. Home from the sideline. It's a mighty strike. My goodness me! It's the best I've ever seen. He's 
An interesting thing from the deal that I noticed was the 6 o'clock Friday night game. And this seems to be aimed at the New Zealand market. Obviously, having a game start over there at 8 o'clock. And that's going to be something that will be shown on, on Fox Sports. And this is an interesting part of the deal that I thought that you'll have a lot of people tuning in to Fox Sports for the 6 o'clock game. But how many of them are going to tune back over to Channel 9 at 8 o'clock? You'd have to think not many. Um, and it would be the same if it was the other way around. So we're not praising Fox to the to the heavens. It would be the same on any channel. Whoever's got the live rights for the early game and also for the for the, the second game, they're gonna you're going to stick to it. You're not going to be in a pub and go, mate, can you put on the Channel 9 coverage? So we're getting rid of Monday Night Football, which for you and I... At at Fox Sports has been a, a pretty big part of our lives. I'm cool with that. Monday nights was never, never feel good. And if you if you're at the ground, yeah, okay, it's a game of footy. But going home and rushing home to see your team play, it's that's not fun. Yeah, Monday nights. It was a seven o'clock kickoff, wasn't it? So yeah, to get every every gather everyone up and get them in the car and get them to the game. I know if I remember going to a game, you were at the game. We went to a Monday night game out at um, Shark Park, Dragon Sharks game a couple of years ago. I remember leaving work. We were working in Piermont at the time when Fox Sports was located there, and a few of my mates picked me up at about five forty-five. We got there at kickoff. When you're taking them out to the suburbs, and when a lot of people are working in the city, trying to get home. Like we, I didn't go home. I went straight to the game, and that's and that's unfortunately the way. When on those big nights like Friday and, and Monday, you struggle to get there if it is a seven o'clock kickoff. So the six o'clock game on Friday is going to be interesting. Monday's seven o'clock doesn't work. It, obviously, it was a game that was going to be show a, a TV game rather than getting forty thousand to certain games. But 6 o'clock on a Friday... As you said, New Zealand will be packed. That'll be fine. Warriors games will be packed. Viewership will be solid. But yeah, when it comes to every second game not being in New Zealand, that's going to be tough. I'm not going to say I'm a massive rugby fan. Well, thank goodness for that. <laughs> I don't mind watching a couple of Super Rugby games from time yep. to time. But I've really enjoyed the 5.30 Super Rugby game. I'm going to shock the world and say I agree with you. I generally like watching that game because it's generally a New Zealand derby. And that's going to be affected with this 6 o'clock game. Super Rugby might be affected oh, somewhat. Is there a chance, and hear me out here, you two listeners, is there a chance that the NRL might struggle from time to time in New Zealand? If, if there's the exactly, hurricane, that the might be, or whatever? Yeah, and, and that's where it will be interesting because definitely you would think that New Zealand is the next cab off the rank in terms of expanding this game and this is going straight up with the big Friday night game in New Zealand for Super Rugby so it'll be interesting to see the analytics both of attendance and viewership of that six o'clock game both here and in New Zealand and what are your thoughts on Thursday night football I don't mind it Thursday as um, a couple of our favourite TV characters have said has a certain feel to it. I feel I feel Wednesdays and Saturdays. Me personally, I like Thursday. I think it could work. I think it has worked in the past where Channel Nine has had a Thursday game into the footy show, and I guess Channel Nine is obviously pushed for this in the deal because it has worked for them and it's segueing into the footy show on a Thursday night. Is it Channel Nine and the NRL almost saying 
It's Thursday night. Let's call it the weekend. Is yeah. That- and it does. Thursday has a feel like that. I enjoy Thursday nights. It's not like a Monday or a Tuesday where you're just like, oh, it's the start of the week. Thursday is like, you see, you obviously past Wednesday, you're looking downhill. Here comes the weekend. So it's good to have a game there. Hopefully it's the good game. Like there's some good games. I think that's where it could, it could be a great way to start the, start the round. Well, there's no doubt that the uh, TV is running the game and... We can't change that, and we get paid by one of those companies. So we're it's entertainment, and that's it. And this is, it is and this is course. where we're at now in 2015. It's every game's on TV. We've got the shows, like we mentioned. It is entertainment. People are paying very big money to be members to sit in certain seats at stadiums. You know, this is this is where the game's at, and obviously, 925 million dollars. It's it's a very expensive entertainment form. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, Channel 9's gone HD finally after about 25 years. This has been something that I've tweeted about on numerous occasions to my 14 followers. You got a Twitter account? What is it? Nathan underscore Brooks. Uh, yeah, it's I, I do vent a bit on there about certain things, about certain sports, and this is something that HD needed to happen. It. Uh, People at home have bought these TVs to watch sport with all these pixels, yet... Half of them are working. Come on. Come on, Channel 9. You finally got here. They woke they up. They must have. They've been asleep for a long time. Let me put it that way, Schnaz. But it's great. It's great. I move on and that's all good. Well, what I was going to say was let's let's hope all the parties move on. Let's hope the, the Fox channel that we're hoping will be brilliant. Let's hope it is brilliant. Let's, let's, not, let's not do it at a mediocre level. Let's have these special shows we want. Let's make sure everything's good. Let's make sure the hosts are good and... And the, the former players, the ones we want, and, you know, hopefully Channel 9 can do the same. And But from what we've heard from our CEO, Patrick Delaney, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting time for league fans. He's going to throw everything at it, like he has done with the AFL channel. And this is what's going to be exciting, um, the fact that you've got someone that has spent the money on getting all the games, and now they want to put it on a channel with some exciting content to have rugby league fans go... All right, there's one place I can go to any time of any day and get my rugby league fix. Who's your favourite TV commentator? That is a very tough one. It could be a radio announcer too. A radio or TV, but a main caller. At the moment, I think I have to go with Andrew Voss. And I remember when I was watching Channel 9 back when Vossy was doing it, I wasn't the biggest fan. You know, I was like, I really like Rabs and, you know, got became accustomed to Rabs and it's great. It's a bit like the Richie Benno factor for cricket fans and he's been there for so long and he's done such a good job. And when you get these people coming in on, you know, guest calls, I guess it is, um, to cover for Rabs, I was like, oh, what's, who's this Vossy guy? You know, he's trying to be funny, like, you know. But now that I'm older and he had, he had a career best year last year in terms of commentary and I think he was an amazing addition for the Fox Sports commentators. Not taking anything away from the other guys who do an exceptional job, but I like the comedy mixed with the commentary and I have to say Vossi at the moment. I think he's just pipping uh, Warren Smith there. I would wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I thought he had a breakout year. And I agree with everything you said. When he was on Channel 9 initially, he was solid. He wasn't spectacular. And then he started doing a few of his um his own little shows and segments on Nine, and and he 
he started to grow as a character and and become more watchable and 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 you sense the passion he had right up until the point where he got flicked and that's when everyone was like what this guy's actually gotten to somewhere really good after you know not trying but being in the game for so long and you're flicking him it was obviously not what he was doing there was something behind it was it. yeah it was agendas we all know that so he went to the warriors it was employed by sky tv and he was great he was brilliant. and i think he he i'm not going to suggest he found his love for the gaming because i would i would suggest that that man will never lose the love for the game no matter what but uh we were very very excited when he started working with us I think it was a pivotal part of where Fox Sports is in rugby league fans' eyes. And you use the word comedy, and I agree. Like, he's funny. And I know he, he does throw in the one-liners. What I would call it is entertaining and passionate. Like, he he loves the game so much, and, and it became his catchphrase, let's have some fun. And that doesn't mean he's not taking it seriously. There's no one else who takes it more seriously than Bossy. If he can keep that up for the years to come, he will become a legend. There is a knock on him... But it's actually a good knock to have. He's actually too funny sometimes. The colour commentators will be laughing and the experts will be laughing for a couple of plays. I can't remember the exact play, but there was something where he made everyone crack up. I was I was laughing and then I looked up and it was tackle four for the next set. <laughs> Every game he would have a moment. I, I know as a Sharks fan, he would always, towards the end of the year, when the, sh- the crowd would start singing the... The song, he would always go on about how much he loved Up Up Cronulla. And I'm not a Sharks fan, but I love Up Up Cronulla and he'd sing it. And he he has the passion of a fan, but he has the unique talent of being able to be a, a main caller. And he knows his stuff. He knows his players. He's, his player recognition is awesome. And, and this is, but this is something across the board, like everyone. Rabs, Rabs has been really good. And and Warren Smith's exceptional. I I think he I think as a true caller and as someone that takes it seriously but has a bit of a laugh, he is amazing. And Maddie Russell's developing into a really good commentator as well. Can you stop saying what I'm thinking, oh, really? please? <laughs> yeah. uh, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, Warren Smith is a close second for me. Uh, the ultimate professional knowledge is amazing, and and yeah, his, his player recognition is unbelievable. I definitely want to give a shout out to Rabs. I think he he um, sometimes gets knocked too much just because he's of a, an older age. Uh, he's been really, really phenomenal for years, and I remember growing up listening to him. And he probably didn't have that. He, I think he grew into it. And but once he hit form, he was just Rabs. I understand that, that he's getting older, and you know he might get some players, you know, names wrong and that kind of thing from time to time. But you can't take away what he's done. And what he's given to the game, like I, I'm a pretty big fan actually. It's not necessarily the player recognition, but it might be the way he pronounces some of the word, the names and the words, and Seal Manu Fanai or whatever he says, Widop and Widop. That's definitely one. It's it adds to it. It's good to see that we've got younger guys coming through, like Matty Russell. It, there's there's obviously a million people who want to do it. It's a hard job. We all think we can do it, but it's a hard job. Another big thing that's happened in the off-season has been the funding agreement with the NRL and the clubs, where John Grant has given a grant to the 16 clubs to make them financially viable. So from 2018, there'll be a new deal in place, which will give the clubs roughly around $100 million combined 
per year. So it's basically going to cover 130% of player salaries. So the salary cap. 130%. The good news is for the clubs is that the grant will still continue to cover what they pay out in salaries each year. And this, to me, is an important moment. I think what we're experiencing now is that there are other areas of Australia and New Zealand that do want clubs, but it's hard to add more clubs to the current landscape. 16 teams is a pretty nice playing field. We've got eight, eight games a week. Obviously, that's been negotiated in the TV deal that we talked about. But I think... If clubs aren't making money after this new grant, then there has to be some sort of movement of teams or, unfortunately, like, you know, I'm, I'm coming as an Illawarra fan. We had to merge. The, the good news is a lot of the clubs are doing better. And I say that with a smile on my face because my one is one of them that was historically diabolical. Now, we still have a number of teams who are struggling. Top of my head is West Tigers. Your boys have been getting a few grants too. There's four or five teams that are not making money, not even coming close. There are a few that are like the Sharks, and they're going to profit within a year or two. And then as the years go on, thankfully for the development that the Sharks have, that'll be turning into millions. And other, I think other clubs are going to come around to that kind of uh, way of trying to do business. And I know not every club can be blessed to have their own ground and development and, and, and land to sell, but just looking outside that circle of making money. And I think the team's getting better. So that's the good news. And then the grant can only help. And going back to what you said, obviously there was a couple of teams and you said the Dragons were one. And obviously I'm a Dragons fan, but I think the Dragons are in a really good situation whether they're successful or unsuccessful because they're a team that the NRL will want to keep. They're not one that's going to be moved somewhere else because... St. George Dragons is synonymous with rugby league in Australia. Yeah, let's go back to uh, what what year was it, Brooksy? A team called South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah. Well, that kind of puts your argument out a little bit because they were gone. But for they a long came time. back, and that was they did. But it was it was through years of hard work. Do you think they'll do it again, though? Do you reckon they would? They would. It's I possible. think they would look at another club before St. George. That's a different argument. That's a different argument. But if you're saying that every team, if you're saying that certain teams have the absolute privilege of being there, I would say it's few. It might be the Broncos. Oh, no, I wasn't saying that it was a privilege. It was more that they would be a team that the NRL would want to keep more for the image, not that who they are. I agree with that. It wouldn't be impossible for them to be kicked out. And it would be heartbreaking again. <laughs> Brooksy, what would you do? Bad, yeah. There's only one way up, baby. You've gone from Wollongong to Cogra. What's in the middle of that? Come on, man. Come on. Come across. Come on. You look good in blue. I'm actually wearing a bit of black and white at the moment, so just a sprinkling of blue and there you have it. But yeah, no, I... I, I guess I see your point there, but I think there is going to be some teams that have an interesting next five years. Well, West Tigers, we all know their troubles, and they're, they're endless. And I really fear for their year ahead, on and off the field. But you, you, you're almost in a similar boat there. You're talking about a team that has merged, that come from two great historical teams in Western Balmain. It's highly possible that they could be moved somewhere else, if they keep going the way they're going. And I'm not saying I want. I wouldn't want that. I, I think I, I didn't want your guys to fold. I don't want any team to fold. You know, I think it's it's sad. You know. Yeah, it is. It is, and that's. I think an an outcome could be like let's say 
let's for instance, St George Illawarra and West Tigers are relocated, let's say, or they the franchise is, is ceased to exist and new clubs are put in their place. I think there is a this is where the NRL could change things up from what they've done in the past is still try and strengthen those areas and still have those clubs, still have the Illawarra Steelers, still have the Western Suburbs Magpies, still have the Balmain Tigers as a smaller club, not trying to be necessarily an NRL club. But if it naturally occurs that a team could be back in that area, then so be it. And this is where I like in other... I guess this is a different kettle of fish, but the promotion relegation sort of thing that happens in English football and a lot of European football, that I guess success determines whether you're in the top tier or not. Financial success might be the other things. As you know, it's just not reality here at the moment, or it never has been. There could come a time, and I think it'd be great. It'd be pretty worrying for some of us (laughs) where your team's sitting on the ladder. In England, for example, those lower divisions have great support in the the stands. They have good sponsors. They're shown on TV. If we get something happening here, that'd be fantastic. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have those sort of clubs that cease to exist now playing? I know they they do at junior level, but more at and uh, New South Wales Cup level or something, and having their own identity, you know. And that I mean, a team like Newtown sort of still do that, but they still come under another club, right? Like you've got that North Sydney Bears or Central Coast Bears, whatever you want to call them. And I was going to say without wanting to offend anyone, a team like Newtown and even North at the moment, it's probably a bit exaggerated about how much they're supported. Like, yes, they're loved. Of course they're loved. We love the blue bags. But you go out to Henson and there's, there's, you know, between one and two, three thousand people watching, which is still really great. It's still something. It's still significant. Is that a problem that some of the NRL clubs are having? That, yeah, there are South fans or there are Roosters fans out there, but when the when it comes down to the crunch, are they actually pumping money into the game other than a Foxtel subscription? Oh, yeah, I think it's a massive problem. I think that's why they're pushing membership so hard. I know people that support a team based on their success that year as, as far as, so I love the club, but they won't put money into it. They won't become a member, won't go to a game. I know guys that don't go to games unless the team's kind of in finals contention. And I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just not the way I know how to support a team, you know? Just different different people. I'm, I'm not having to go at anyone. It's different circumstances. You, know, you might be a family man or, or work too much or whatever. But I think the NRL could do more to get more fans supporting the teams. Because, you know, at finals time, when, if a team's in there, a team like, well, say my team, Cronulla, Man, they're coming out of the woodwork, the fans. The trick is, and I think that that club is doing good things to do it, the trick is to keep them coming back during the leaning years. You know, it's like when Newcastle were getting the spoon, they lost whatever it was in a row, 10 games in a row at home or whatever, and they'll last by a mile. They were still getting 20,000 people. And yeah, it's a one-team town, but I think clubs need that support. It's like an institution, like you go, no matter where you are on the ladder, no matter what time of the year it is, yeah. Oh, it's cold. I'm not going. Come on. I was in a... I'm not going to use the word Sharknado because I know you personally are sick of that term. But I'm going to use the word Tornado. <laughs> and it was a tornado. There were no sharks in the wind. Let's just let's just clear something up. There are a couple, but... Yeah, 2015, that game against Souths, it was just... Unless you were there, you had no idea. The TV didn't do it justice. It was it was beyond brutal. It was It was ridiculous. Like, like, I cannot say it enough, but there was still like two and a half thousand people there, you know, and I'm not saying that you should have to go 
sit in those conditions. There are some games where you can just put the hand up and go, fair enough, watch it at home. But if you're of not course. going down to Brookie on a Sunday afternoon when it's 26 degrees in August, when the team's in contention, I don't know what's wrong with you if you're a Manly fan, for instance. Well, you look at those catchments. So you've got Manly, you've got Cronulla, the beachside suburbs and teams. I mean, the Sharks have improved their membership. They've tripled it pretty much in the last few years. But there's still, like, a certain amount of people living in that district. And fair enough, they might not like rugby league. But the amount of people that would say they're Sharks fans who live there versus the amount of people who are members and or go to games just pales, you know? And that's where the club and the NRL need to lift their game. And they are doing that. It's a slow build. But Sydney has a lot of attractions and a lot of different things. Not saying other cities don't around the world, but and it's not a very good city to get around, like we talked about before, about the Monday night football fiasco of trying to get to work to kick off. You, there can be a lot of things on, and obviously it's such a gorgeous city too with the beaches and stuff. It is hard to, on a day off, do a lot of the things that you need to do. And football yeah. might be put to the wayside for that because they can watch it on TV. So this is the going back to the TV deal too. Sometimes having a lot of foot, uh, a lot of rugby league available to you could actually be a detriment to the at game experience. Actually, and and back to your point about what the clubs are doing, I th- I think this really flags the importance of having a very good marketing team at each club. I see some clubs in the way they market the team and the players, and you can't do any more than what they're doing. Some of them are unbelievable. Like they give you that inside look into a team in the pre-season, during the week in between games, when they're on road trips. So you're talking media and yes, social media. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. and particularly the videos, content on websites and obviously posts on social media that give the fans that sort of, I feel like I'm with the team experience when there's some other clubs that just don't do that. They don't give it, they don't give it enough and rely on the NRL to post articles and, and, and use their social media. Do you think it's a case of lack of people working at the club and finances or do you think it's just a, a lazy attitude where they think someone else will cover that for them? I think it's a little bit of everything, but I think certain clubs see it as a higher priority than other clubs and that's... Mm whether you throw more money at it or throw more people at it, marketing is such an important thing. And I know people talk about different marketing departments in differing, differing workplaces and say they do nothing. They just, you know, they're, they're out there doing schmoozing with other people in the industry and whatnot. But it is such an important thing. If you don't market yourself correctly, then what... You can't expect to get people to turn up to your games. And we've had this... I've been talking about this debate over the summer with the A-League and the NBL. I would talk to friends and go, you would think the NBL is the biggest sport in Australia at the moment by the way it's marketed. So all it can take is being out there and putting yourself out there to attract people to come to your games, buy the jerseys, buy the food, and enjoy the experience. Basketball is a very good sport to watch live. And so is football. The NBL attendances from last season have gone up. A-League, fans at the moment, fans aren't showing up. If they are showing up, they're walking out. Marketing, you're targeting your fans. You want your fans to be buying memberships. You want your fans to be tending games, buying hats, buying jerseys. It's, it's just such an important part of the whole process at the moment. And this grant, like we mentioned before, is going to cover a lot of the salaries of the players, but it also needs to be used to 
make the clubs bigger to make more money like don't take it that we're just going to get this this share of the 100 mil let's turn that into a bigger share by promoting our team and our players i know the nrl uh employed an american company last year to get a real grip on membership and to kind of shake it up a little bit as to how it's being sold and they essentially started up a department the nrl started up a membership department distributed sort of three or four people to each club to work within the club for the NRL. That's great. I didn't even know that. And that's, you've seen like the marketing from, I guess from the NRL about how being a member is so important. And then the club bangs on about it too, which they should. And they have, you know, like a little meter of the, the, the count, the membership count every year. They have competitions between clubs and that kind of thing. But it should be more than just a number. And that's where you want that number to stay there with the club. And you want that to be not something that resets over every season. You want it to be there yeah. straight up. Like, you know you've yeah. got 10,000 people from the get-go. And this is where I think they need they can be creative and try and keep people from season to season. I've been, I've been lucky enough over the last year to get to know some of the marketing people at Cronulla. And even though they struggle sometimes to get their ideas across the finish line, whether it be through higher powers or it could be a financial restraint or whatever. Oh, it's good for me to know that some of the people working there who, I, who I've got to know are not only passionate about the club, but they're actually, they're actually fans of the club. And, and that's, that's not going to be the case at every club. And certainly at Cronulla, it's not the, not the case. They're not all born and bred Cronulla fans. But I, I know a couple of guys there. It just so happened that they got their skills and, and their degrees and whatever else, lived a life, and they've come back to the club and, and applied for jobs and trying to take it in a new direction. And it, sometimes it's all it takes is just someone with a bit of a vision just to go, you know, what we've been doing isn't good enough. Whether that's from the CEO or from the marketing person or just, you know, the, the guy who's just out of uni with a great idea. And I know it's easy enough for you and I to talk about it on a podcast and go, oh, well, we could do this, we could do that. But, you know, we kind of could, to be but honest. this is the sort of stuff that needs to happen. It's a brainstorming. It's coming up with ideas. It's yeah. seeing what didn't work, what does work, you know. And, that, and this is great. Like you said, that there is people in the club, um, in the marketing department who are Cronulla fans. They're targeting themselves. What would you want in your membership? What do you want to get out of the club? You know, and they're the questions that, each club should be asking asking themselves of what they can pro- provide to their fans and asking the fans what do they want a club is a club it, it, <laughs> that seems very simple but it it's not just the people that run it because it's the people that follow that club as well they are the important people yeah and i think that the nrl and certainly the clubs are slowly starting to know that you know if people don't turn up they have an issue if people don't buy the jerseys, they have an issue. And, you know, in this day and age, social media is so huge. Everyone wants to know everything about everyone, and they kind of do. I know uh, through my experiences in playing music, people want to know about the guy writing the songs. They don't want to, they don't want to just hear the songs. They want to know about the guy. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, you look at Ben Cray, for example. He's a footballer. He's a professional footballer. That's his life. But then... There's more to that. He's got to be good in society. He's got to go to the hospitals, you know, to say hello to the kids. He's got to be a role model and ambassador. Trent Merrin's getting married to the lady who surfs, you know. We want to know about it. But what the hell business is it of ours? We've got to know about it. It's entertainment. We've touched on this before. It is. It's not just a game. And so I think, I guess what I'm getting at is, so now you will have Sally Fitz and Trent Merrin hanging out in Penrith. Where's the surf? The swell's not in... And he'll point to the... Penrith Lee's Club and the 
Cable water ski. Exactly. That's where we're at. And I think that they're slowly starting to get it. And some clubs do it better than others. You're 100% right. But hopefully the ones that are lagging a bit, the people at the NRL who you'd like to think know what they're doing, they're going to lift them a little bit. They're going to educate them in how to do it. You know, if your media manager is not up to date with social media, maybe he's a bit old school, maybe he's 55, whatever, and he, and he, and he hasn't got across it, educate him. It's not that hard. Get up to date. Go do it. And it's that balance between the football fan and the professional. And, you know, sometimes you can have both and that's beautiful. But if you've got a bit of each, it's like, you know, what would a football fan want on this social media page? What does a football, football fan want to hear? I'm not sure. I'm going to ask someone who does know or I'm going to investigate. I'm going to become a football fan. But I think we're heading in the right direction. I think there is enough content out there that we all enjoy. I mean, I love it when you see the boys in the dressing shed singing the song. Like that, to me, that's just perfection wow someone's holding the camera and i'm in there those seven weeks last year when the dragons posted every video of when the saints go marching in was amazing it was so good and i don't follow a lot of the teams um on social media i do follow a couple but i hope all the teams do that for their fans like it's just amazing way because for them to see what happens after the game you see people in there in the videos enjoying the moment so what do you think all the eighteen thousand followers of that team are going to think on twitter or facebook honestly brooksy i remember um, many times walking behind the et stand where i sit uh, on our way out and you walk past where the sheds are you want it to be like a fish tank don't you where you can just go oh yeah that's good yeah. Yeah. i might i might take that to the club I'll put on some towels and get a fish tank happening. The shark tank? Why am I saying fish tank? This is the... Oh, God. There was a moment. It was there to be spiked and I just missed it. I remember an epic win and my brother... And I have to admit, I wasn't that old at this stage. My brother sort of gave me a bit of a boost. And I could, What was this, two years ago? <laughs> pretty much. Like you couldn't see into the sheds, but you could see a little bit, and you could, the boys were going nuts singing the song, and then everyone sort of crowded around this wall, and you could hear it word for word. Now I click on a video, and I'm there. I think it was one of those lean years where uh, we sang a song three or four times, so it was pretty special. I'm glad we're heading in the right direction. Just like the NRL and the clubs, this podcast is heading in the right direction too. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening. We've enjoyed doing it. We'll be back again soon. That's for sure. I think we're in for an exciting year this year, and I'm I'm looking forward to. Being able to do this for on a week-to-week basis with you. Two of us are Shaq to the Warriors. Oh. Maloney to the Shaq. I can't wait to let's. I can't wait until we go through all the teams and work out who's where. We'll do it soon. What? Who's going to win? Like, oh, it's just going to be exciting. How all my predictions aren't going to come true. Like, it's just, it's going to be one of those years. It's going to be exciting. I, every every fan base should be excited about 2016. And what's exciting for me is knowing you now have an outlet to talk about your true passion in life, the NRL draft. Oh, yes. So stay tuned to that, everybody. It's, it's, it's something to savor, believe me. Every day of my life coming here working with Brooksy, all we talk about is the draft. And we need the trades. We need all the right, trades. hang on. Just let's, okay, let's stick to another episode, okay? Don't, don't reveal too much about what you think. Plenty coming up before the season starts, so stick with us. You'll be able to find us on social media. We're going to have a strong presence online. It would be hypocritical if we didn't. We have to. And that's where we said before that we want this to be just as much about you guys as it is about us. We're league fans, you're all league fans, and what we want to do is talk about some of the issues of the game and really come up with 
ideas, solutions, feedback to give to the clubs. Absolutely, absolutely. People are welcome to uh, get involved and we will let you know how to do that very, very soon. Thanks for listening. We will see you very shortly. Uh, You'll be able to subscribe to this podcast, so please don't hesitate in doing so. Thank you, Brooksy. I will see you uh, probably Monday. Yeah, sounds good. Nine o'clock or 9.15 if we're talking schnoz time. There's a little NFL game on between the mighty Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. And that'll be a 5 a.m. kickoff, finishing around 8. Yeah, I won't be in until about 9, 9.15. People are like just switching up going, what the hell's NFL? What's a Minnesota Viking? <laughs> well, I think everyone's sort of caught up with the NFL now that the one Jared Haynes over there and Tom Burgess is about to be over there as well. Sorry, we're not laughing because we, we think it's a bad idea, but it's just it's funny that um, we are now starting to get guys over there on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah, I'm not going to go play rugby union. I'm going to play NFL. Straight to the helmets, yeah. Yep. But could you imagine him being the next Gronkowski, Thomas Burgess? I'd like to see it. It would be a, it would be an amazing sight. I think Sam could give it a go too. There's nothing that man can't do. You could have a Burgess O-line. Wow. How good would that be? Bur- as Rabs would say, Burgess everywhere. And the mum would be in the uh, stand, of course, watching. She could be one of the cheerleaders. <laughs> or would Rusty allow her? On that note, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you for listening. We'll see you very, 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 very soon. Thank you. Marcus, bye for now. Bye.